Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, if, if not, I know we still have some children. Uh, children are going upstairs for children's ministry. We're just so blessed. Thank you so much. And as always, parents, I mean, listen, if, if you're new here especially, it's not that children are not allowed. They are definitely allowed. Um, we just want to be able to teach them on a level that they get and understand. So if you desire the children's ministries upstairs, but I'm just blessed you're here this morning. You know, there's a part of it, I know my wife just went upstairs so I can talk freely this morning. <laughs> there's a part of it that when any meteorologist gets on television and mentions the word snow, my wife goes into 40 days of prayer and fasting because she loves blizzards. And she just loves snow. She loves to sit out the back window and I think just watch me shovel snow because our, our prayers oppose each other, right? So uh, even last night she was saying, do you think we'll have church tomorrow? I'm like, we're, we're ha- baby, we're having church because our meteorologists never, if you just want to see change, just watch the news, right? Our meteorologists are sort of like COVID. It changes every other day. But I, I'm just saying, I'm blessed to see you because a lot of folks do. When the weather's a little bit dicey or the potential of, of some weather out there, uh, they play it safe, and of course, with COVID and all that mess that's going on, listen, it's real, right? But we have to just be careful. But I'm blessed to see you this morning, okay? It took a decision for you to get here this morning. And I'm talking about decisions today, making decisions. I said this, uh, <clears throat> talking to some students a few weeks ago in a training session, um, psychologists, I actually don't know how they come up with this number. Psychologists say we make about 35,000 decisions a day. Now, that would take about one decision every 2.1 seconds. All right? Don't try to figure that out, please. But they say most of those decisions that we make are subconscious. They're trained. When you turn over in bed, it was a bodily decision. All right? When, When you just nodded your head or when you're sitting there just writing something down or looking or drinking a bottle of water. It's all a decision that you're making, and uh, we can debate that later. The point is, you're deciding something. And making decisions are pretty important. Now, some decisions aren't important at all, quite honestly. Uh, The biggest decision I face sometimes during the week is when someone has the audacity to ask me, which side do you want with that? And then I'm like, well, what, what, are, what, are, what, are, what are my choices? And they list these vegetables and these things that sound wonderful. And now I've got to choose between these four things, and I'm having to make a decision. How many of you understand that's not the kind of decision I'm talking about this morning? I don't care if you go for the broccoli or the fries. Mom and dad may, but I don't care. Uh, on the other hand, some of us are making decisions this morning that will impact the rest of your life. Decisions on marriage. Decisions on adopting child, a child possibly. 
decisions on retirement, decisions on where you will move, decisions on relocation, decisions on, on going to school, on going to grad school, decisions on what you will do when that child is born. A lot of decisions that are very important, and it can be difficult. But I just want to start as we continue this study in Acts on the fact that God does have a plan because God is our plan. And Acts <clears throat> shows us how we can live out that plan. And it, it starts in chapter 1 with a very unique story <clears throat> that we sometimes just jump right over, but it shows a pretty cool decision-making process. If you want to go to turn to chapter 1, but while you're getting there, I want to set this up. You know, last week we talked about Acts chapter 1 when Luke is writing, and we understand that Luke tells us from the beginning of Acts chapter 1, the former account I made. Now, when Luke makes that statement, he's talking about the former book that he wrote, Luke. He says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So Luke was written to just lay out for us what Jesus began to do and teach. But I, I want to just read to you while we're getting ready to read Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> I want to read to you the last few verses in Luke chapter 24. It says, Then Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which was written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name of all nations, to all nations, and Jerusalem, and that you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send you the promise of the Father that I told you, but tarry in the city until. And then it says, they were all filled with gladness, and they went to the city, praising God, stayed in the temple, worshiped God, and giving him praise. Now, I'm saying that, then if you turn to Acts chapter 1, and I'm not going to reread that, it says pretty much the same thing. Now, the few differences in chapter 1 before we get to, to this reading is this. <clears throat> when Jesus says, listen, you're going to be baptized, John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with fire, because you are going to be witnesses. So wait until the city, wait in Jerusalem, tarry, that's what wait means, tarry. Wait until you receive this power, and you'll become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Now their response initially in Acts was, when are you going to restore the kingdom? When are you going to do what we want you to do? When is that time going to come? And Jesus lovingly says, don't worry about that. Just stay focused on the mission. Now, why is this important? Because technically, we're on a mission. And let me just lay this groundwork very quickly. Our mission is not just to try to get comfortable in life. Our mission is not to try to find the best job and make as much money as we can so we re retire early and have passive income. That's a big thing now. I've got passive income. It passes <laughs> right through, right? I know that's old. I'm sorry. I just showed my age, I believe. 
here's, here's our mistake. We think it's all about the here and now. Jesus in the book of Acts is trying to get us to understand, and Luke writes it meticulously. He's trying to get us to understand we're not on a mission for the here and now. It's that what we do now prepares us for eternity. And our actions now are laying the groundwork for eternity. Not just for us, but for the church. So let me just read here in Acts chapter 1. And I'm actually going to read all the way through Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with the brothers. And those, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all of his entrails gushed out, and it became known to all dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is called in their own language, Akeldama, that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let this dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore... One of these men who have accompanied us all this time that the Lord Jesus in and out among us, belonging from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was named, uh, surname was Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and the apostleship from which Judas was transgressed and fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, there's a lot of stuff to unpack here, so there's no way I'm going to go scripture by scripture to unpack everything that's possible here. Uh, If this bleeds over to next Sunday, is that all right? Um, So what's going on here? What's the decision? Well, first of all, there's a lot happening. If if you recall, the last part of uh, Luke, chapter 24, the first part of Acts, Jesus, his last words to the disciples are, I'm preparing you for something. These things had to happen, but there was a resurrection. We know that there were 40 days after the resurrection by the day of Pentecost, which means 50. There are 50 days now that Jesus was seen and and people saw him. Now these 120, the 11 disciples and the rest numbering 120 are up in this room and they're praying. They're living. They're spending time with each other. How many know that when, when God calls you to something, it doesn't mean you just sit and sour? Life continues. There's something going on in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not, I I don't want to turn this into some mysterious, 
God's got a plan for my future. I wonder what it is. In most cases, it's just blooming where you're planted. It's being good at being a father. It's being good at being a wife. It's being good at being a son or daughter. It's being good at being an employee. Because God wants us to be a what? Witness. All right? And it starts where? Jerusalem. In your Jerusalem. Okay? A lot of stuff to unpack. All right, so last time I'll say that. All right? There's a lot of stuff that needs to be readjusted. That's the way I'll say it now. So here's, here's what's happening. We're learning from the get-go that life still has to be lived. What does that mean? Decisions have to still be made. Now, why is it that, that Peter stands up? Why does he make a big deal about Judas? Everybody knew what happened with Judas. Why, why bring that up again? Why bring up Judas when we know we just need to have, why, why do we need to have a 12th disciple? See, Jesus had 12. It wasn't just trying to pattern after something so we can say we pattern it after Jesus. What would Jesus do? Remember that wristband? How about, I want to know why Jesus did what he did, so when I do it, I'll know why. Because it, it, if not, we're just walking around, you know, why are you knocking on doors? Well, I don't know, my pastor told me to knock on doors. That will get you in trouble, right? But if we know the why, so why 12 disciples? You see, if you're going to reach people, you have to reach them with what will make sense to them. If you go to the tribes of Israel with 11 tribes, you're one tribe short of a full load, okay? Because there's 12 tribes, if we're going to represent eternity with what God is doing in the lives of his people, we need to have 12 apostles, there were just things that had to measure up. Now, I don't want to get too lost on that. Is there, there was a purpose for that. But why does he start with, with Judas and the betrayal? Because in just a moment, we're going to see the differences in making a decision based on your feelings and the differences between may, being made on your faith. Because when you make de decisions based on your feelings, that's when you're going for the broccoli and the fries. But when you're making decisions based on your faith, that's when you're living for eternity. Am I making sense? And see, a lot of times in our spiritual walk, and we're going to delve into this, a lot of times in our spiritual walk, we, we want our faith to be lived out by our feelings. So we want it to be easy. We want it to make sense. We want to be able to trust God by him making everything perfectly clear before we take a step. And, and, and I know sometimes we get lost in this passage, too, because it is pre-baptism of the Holy Spirit. But we're not negating the fact that the Holy Spirit's at work in our life today. When we look at this, as much as it is the simplicity of trusting God when we make decisions. So how do we make decisions? Well, if we just look at the story for just a moment, how did, how did Peter make this decision? Well, he stands up and he describes the tragic mistake that Judas makes, but then he says this, we've got to find one who has experienced and who will witness about the resurrection like us. In other words, there's some qualifications that we're looking for. So we're going to, we're going to look for the one who we know has experienced Christ and experienced the resurrection. Now, why is this powerful? Because if you're going to go to a world that doesn't believe you better. If you're going to speak into someone's life 
about trusting God, you need to be the kind of person who's had your experience with Christ in such a way that you've decided, I trust him. Now, this does not mean that you're ever going to face issues that, that you're having to step in faith to even share your faith. Or you're having to step in faith and trying to encourage someone to step into their faith, maybe to trust God for something that you've never had to trust God for. The point is, you know you can trust him. And it's really hard to get someone else to do something you've never done. That's why it was so important to find someone in their crowd who not only had been baptized, but walked with them and spent time with them and saw the resurrection with them and said, wow, with them, and probably at times said, I don't believe with them, had little faith. Maybe he wasn't in the boat, but he might have been standing on the, si- on the seashore watching them in the boat saying, I'm glad I'm not in the boat. In other words, you need people who have been in the fray. You need people, and Peter, what Peter was saying is, we need someone that when the promise that Jesus says he was sending comes, when we hit the streets, we're never going to have to wonder. Now, how do they do this? Well, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but they came down to two. So it wasn't about favoritism. It was just about, all right, who's been with us since the beginning? All right, you six, okay. Who was with us on the day he arose? All right, you two, all right, that settles that. Come on. There was no... There was no, well, there was no side room chatter. You know, I know we're looking at these two, but my buddy Bob, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Let, let's at least give him a shot. We're all voting, right? Let's at least give him a shot. Now, see, it wasn't even a vote. Now, please don't leave here today saying the pastor said it was okay to flip a quarter. What does drawing lots mean? Um, or casting lots. Some would say it's like dice, but really it's just a way of being able to decide on an individual without necessarily voting for an individual. So your opinion isn't what's important. Your opinion of, of who is going to be chosen, they were solely saying, all right, God, out of these two men who have been chosen because they were there, we're going to cast these lots, and they usually just cast them right. Someone was holding their gown or their uh, a napkin or their apron, whatever. They would just be holding it, and we're, however the, the lots fell, and they fell for Matthias. And, and here's, here's the thing. They chose him, and the reason I read verse 1 of chapter 2, they didn't choose him. Now, now listen to me. Some of us, we, it's nobody like us in this room, but we know somebody like this. As soon as we cast the lots and we realize it's Matthias, we automatically say, best two out of three. Let's go best two out of three. All right, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with my life, Lord. So I'm going to take that step of faith. And we take that step of faith, and two days later, it's miserable. All right, Lord, I'm going to pray one more time. I'm going to give you one more chance, Lord. Best two out of three, Lord. I'm going to give you, because, Lord, I got two more options, and this one isn't working out as well. No, nobody stood around and said, you know, that's not who we thought it was going to be. No, the very next verse says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were what? They were all in one mind, 
and one accord. There was no division. We're going to talk about unity a lot in the book of Acts. There was no division. In other words, their trust was solely in God. We're going to roll these lots. Now, this is not your permission to gamble, folks. I'm telling you. I know what some of you are thinking right now. He's saying play the lottery. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Don't go in, in the name of Jesus a lottery ticket. That's not going to work. That's not what we're talking about, right? On, on the other hand, they're saying, God, if this is how we're making the decision, um, you cause things to go out and plan like you want them to. You cause things to fall like you want them to. And when they fall like you want them to, we're living with that answer, knowing it's from you, not from our vote, not from our opinion, not from our likes or dislikes or political involvement. It's you, oh God. Now, why is that important? Because if it's God, we can trust him. And if it's God, God, God never cares if you question. He doesn't. Sometimes we say we can't question God. God loves it when we question. Read the book of Psalms. David is constantly crying out to God. But, but understand this, God loves it when you cry out, but he also expects you to accept the answer. So if, for those of you who may not have chosen Matthias, too bad. Once you say, God, I'm putting it in your hands, leave it there. Now, now what has that got to do with us today? Well, how many of you are making decisions? How many of you are making decisions? Because I want to look at this, I've just got three very simple little ways I believe this can be applied. It's, it's really interesting how that when we make decisions, a lot of this comes into play and we don't even realize it. The first thing I've got to do in making a decision is I've got to trust that God has a plan. In other words, I've got to trust that there's a picture here that's bigger than me. I've got to trust that God's story is bigger than my story. Now, I don't know about you, but my parents, I was the firstborn. And um, I, up until my brother was born, I was the most important. And that only lasted about 16 months, right? So I tried for about 13 years to take him out. But then they had two more children, and I became the fourth favorite. I'm just kidding. Uh, even going to their graves, I reminded them I was their favorite. So anyway, um, it's, it's one of those things where we have this desire to want things to be around us. Even in our prayers, it's about us. We, we want, you know, Lord, bless us. And listen, I get it. I'm human too, right? It's, it's not that God doesn't want us to cry out for ourselves. It's that are we willing to see the bigger picture? that it's not just about ourselves. The book of Acts is not about one person. It's the acts, you know, we say of the apostles, but it's really the continual action of Jesus Christ through the church and how the Holy Spirit comes. And the, the primary character in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit, guys. Uh, we, you know, young preachers always want to be like Paul until they realize that Paul's nothing without the Holy Spirit. We always want to be like Peter after Pentecost, right? 
We want to be the Peter that wins 3,000 with one sermon, but we don't really understand that Peter is still not walking on water without the Holy Spirit. Now, now why is that important? Because these guys don't even get it in the book of Acts until they receive the power, understanding the story is bigger than themselves. The story is Jesus and the redemption of the world and not only making our lives here, but giving everyone around us just a glimpse of what it would look like to live in the kingdom. What it, would, what it would be like if the kingdom of God was fully here now. What would it be like to be loved when you're not so lovable? What would it be like to be forgiven when you don't deserve forgiveness? What would it be like to be, to be a part of something when really you don't deserve to be a part of anything? But God embraces you. And how does God embrace people now? Through you. You know, we want God to touch people's lives from afar. You know, Lord, touch those people over there because you know how bad they need it. And it's just across the street. And God is saying, okay, I, you know what? I'm going to do it. You ready? Walk across the street. I want to use you. I, I want I want to use you to touch your neighbor. I want to use you to touch those people. And please, <clears throat> we bring a lot of baggage into our relationship with Christ. I'm sorry. I bring a lot of baggage into my, into my relationship with Christ, don't I? You know, and that sanctification process, that, that discipleship process is a process. That's why one of the reasons Jesus tells us to take up our cross and follow him is not so much that Jesus is hoping you're going to suffer, is that Jesus knows you can't start picking things up until you start laying things down. And see, sometimes for me to pick up my cross and follow him, I've got to decide, you know what? This is getting me nowhere. I'm not doing this anymore. Or, or, or hanging out with this person. This, this is not working. Because every time I, when I'm with them or when I'm with this person, I find myself moving this way, this way. I can't move forward with this way. Am I making any sense? So I can't, I can't really follow him if, if I'm not willing to lay some stuff down. And I'm still in that process. Believe me, you never stop growing. You never stop maturing. You never stop waking up sometimes and realizing God's not finished with you yet. Why? Because it's not about just where you are. It's where he's taking you. It's what he's growing us into. And see, we, I know we're not to this part of the book of Acts yet, but we are the body of Christ. Each of us are members each of us play our own specific part. That's why it's so important to understand that God has a plan. God has a plan. It includes you. It includes you experiencing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It includes you understanding that you can experience resurrection power. And I think one of the things that I've seen in this last two years, you ready? you got to still love me after I say this, right? I think the last two years what I've seen is Christians confuse being down about COVID with their relationship with Christ. Man, I'm just so tired of being, you know, isolated. And then I can't hang out with my friends, and they want me to wear a mask, and I can't breathe. And my friend's sick, and some of us have lost loved ones, right? I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a pretty picture. 
but we confuse those feelings with God's plan. And instead of understanding that this is a downtime and there, there's something to fight for and that we're empowered to move forward, we start really believing that this is it. And I've never met anybody that has the this is it feeling excited about sharing that with anyone. Um, <clears throat> here's a feel-good movie for you. Ready? I believe the title is The Underdog. Kurt Warner story, right? Kurt Warner was a quarterback, football. This is a football story, so ladies, I'll be back in a moment. Um, Kurt Warner uh, came out of college football, wasn't drafted. Went through a couple of years, couldn't get on any teams, started working, you know, met this wonderful girl. They started dating. She had children from a previous marriage, and they started dating. They ended up getting married. He ends up going, having a tryout with an NFL team, and he lasts one day. One day. He goes to practice. They say, okay, let's see how you can throw. Well, I'm not ready. You're right. Leave. That's how much that one day lasted. So he went on, and um, spoiler alert, I'm telling you the movie, okay, so you're not going to have to go after this. Um, here's, here's the bottom line if you know the story. Kurt Warner for years played arena football, just wasn't, I mean, he excelled in that, but he finally got a chance at the NFL, and even the coaches there were saying, what are you doing here? You can't cut it. You'll never cut it. Why are you even playing this? But see, what he didn't understand, we sang it this morning, even when you say, can't see it, God's doing something behind the scenes. Even when you can't feel it, because all he was feeling is you can't. You're not good enough. You'll never measure up. You're not going to make it. You're not quick enough, all right? Th those were my big problems with professional football. I was never quick enough, fast enough, strong enough, tall enough, or enough, right? You know, when you, start, when you start hearing you're not enough, you'll start believing it after a while. But his wife kept encouraging him, saying, listen, I've seen how you've saved my family. I've seen the kind of man you are. And they need to see the kind of man you are. It may not be your football skill, but when they see the man you are, they will want that man on their team. And it, it really took a miracle because an NFL coach just picked him up on the Rams several years ago. And during preseason, the, the starting quarterback, Trent Green, was injured, and they had no one else but this rookie who wasn't enough. Um, they won the Super Bowl that year. He was the most valuable player of the league and the most valuable player of the Super Bowl. And all he could say when they were interviewing him is, what, how can you even attribute this? What can you, my family, but I'm telling you, it's all, it's all Jesus. Why? Because he constantly throughout the film start, kept reminding everybody that would talk to him, listen, this story isn't about me playing football. He said, I don't know how to describe it to you, but this story is way bigger than me throwing a ball. He said, the problem was for a long time, that's all I made the story was me throwing a ball. But when I could get my mind around God having a bigger story, now I just did my part, which was throwing a ball, but now it worked. 
Have you ever felt that what God is calling you to do is just not working? Could it be that you still think it's about you? But that when it gets past you and you see the bigger story, God will use the same pass, the same skill, the same language, the same tone, the same job, and you'll see miracles start to happen. See, some of you think it needs to be a job change. Nope. <laughs> this needs to be an attitude change, a perception change. That this isn't a, maybe I'm here because God's put me here to see this company change. But it's not about me because I don't like my position. But if you understand it's not about you at that position right now, he can use you in that position to change the culture of that company. And you say, well, pastor, I think that's impossible. So did everybody else on the day of Pentecost. Right? So number one, we have to trust that God has a plan. Aren't you glad that God has a plan and it's not limited to the visibility of our simple, small plans? Because listen, even our greatest plans are small in the eyes of God. You know, you may have great plans, and they may even be working to an extent. I've got plans to retire. I've got my 401Ks. I've got this. I've got this. And I'm telling you, life is going to be great. How many have ever thought that? Well, just hang on. Because life has a way of helping you understand there's something greater. So we trust that God has a plan. But then secondly, we trust God's word. If we were to go back and read most of what Peter said, if you really read that carefully, he was paraphrasing everything else Jesus had said. He was living off the words of Jesus. Now, that's just, we could stop right there. Let's just keep living off the words of Jesus. Well, pastor, come on, man. I know what you're getting ready to say. But, man, the Bible doesn't, you know, some of the decisions I'm making really doesn't speak to all the decisions. Yes, it does. I'll guarantee you. Now, it may not say don't smoke. Right? But I guarantee you, I can tell you that your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of it. If anybody smokes in here, don't get offended. I'm just saying, if you want to smoke, smoke. You just might not live as long. That's all I'm saying. If you want to drive fast, drive fast. You might not live as long. You know, you literally could die faster. Driving fast. Right? I'm not trying to be silly. I'm trying to get you to understand the Word of God speaks to every area of your life, which means we have to know the Word of God. You have to know the Word of God. It's not, it's not really that difficult. We have God's Word who speaks to us in every area of our life. Now, there's something called the revealed Word of God and the unrevealed Word of God. Now, what is that? The revealed Word of God is simply this. It, it's, we have it. It's canonized. We can read it. There's, there's a million books that would help you exegete this and break it down to further understand it. Can I just encourage you just to... Read it a couple times. Read passages. Don't just pick out one verse and make that your verse. Read the whole chapter. See what that verse is talking about first. Um, but that's why our grace groups are so important, because when we go through the Word, it's helping us all discuss, well, what does that mean? What is it talking about? What should life look like? 
Because if I'm making a decision, I want to know what God is saying to things in my life. And if I've made a decision because I know God's got a greater plan for my life and I'm following after Christ, then I want to know what his plan is so I'm following after his word. All right, more true confessions. You ready? Have you ever made a bad decision? Sure. Are you human? Yes. Um, A bad decision with uh, work. A bad decision with your finances. A bad decision with relationships. All right, um, does that mean that you're, you're done in? No, God's a redeemer. I promise you, even if you've made terrible mistakes, God will redeem it. God can turn it around. God can bring wholeness. God can bring healing. God can restore things. I promise you. But we ha- what do we have to do? We have to trust his plan. We have to follow his plan. We have to live according to his word. Psalms 119, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, when he says don't lean on your own understanding, he's not talking about intellect there. Uh, this is very unusual because many times when you talk about heart issues, it is emotional issues. But in this context, he's saying, let your heart after God be what you follow, not your intellect or your feelings about what should happen. I have a tendency, if I'm not careful, to let God know what I think should happen. That, that was my whole season this year with Washington. And what I discovered is God doesn't like football. I I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what happened there. But anyway, it's easy for us to pray for the answer we want based on our feelings. And that's, can I just say this? That's usually what leads to a bad decision. Think about every bad relationship you've been in. Don't look around. Just think about every bad relationship you've been in. Um, What was it based on? Prayer or, whoa, it was the woe part, you know. Right? What what is it that, that drew you to make a bad decision on that automobile? Did you really weigh that, weigh that out and really pray? Or did you just, it just caught your eye and just like, wow. Didn't know I liked that color so much. And then you were driving it. Now, please, I'm not trying to pick on anyone. But I promise you, God cares. I mean, it's a very true story because it's mine. Uh, just over the last year, my wife has been subtly letting me know the kind of car she wants next. And we've been driving, our cars are paid off, everything's paid off. The car she's driving has got a whole lot of miles on it. And, and I want my wife driving a safe car, but the car she wants, I'm like, hmm. But I, I don't want that car. I don't, I don't like that car. I mean, it's just, okay, I'm not driving it, it's her car. Long story short, a year passes, that's all I've been hearing, in a loving way. So then she's been searching. She's been doing all her homework. And next thing I know, I'm at every CarMax, every used dealership there is, and it's driving me nuts, right? 
So we're looking at this one car, and the, the ladies text me back and forth. So I get up the next day, and quite honestly, I'm just like carrying this weight of, God, why am I feeling weird about this? So I literally got in the office, and I'm in the office over here, and I'm, I'm just praying that morning, God, I'm serious. If this is not you, help me see something. Help me, because God, the meeting's today. I need to... It's, I know it's a stupid car, Lord, but I, wanna, I don't want to make a stupid decision about something that's stupid. And I'm not kidding you. As soon as I said amen, I'm not kidding you. My, my phone, the text hit, and I looked at my text, and it was the lady that we were supposed to meet with saying, I am so sorry. I'm sick. There is no way I can meet today. And I texted her back and said, praise the Lord. Not that you're sick, but that we can't meet either, right? So that gave me and Diane a chance because you know what happened? We started looking at these cars, and I started doing some research, and I'm going to get to this in point three in a minute anyway. I started doing some research, and you know what ended up happening? We were able to get the exact same car brand new from the dealership for $5,000 less than the used car two years older than that car and I just thought how do people get away with that but more than that thank you Lord thank you Lord because now my wife um, is going to be able to get the thing that she's been wanting for several years now and I'm not going to be stressed out thank you Lord and it won't have been a stupid decision now that that might sound silly because it's over a couple of thousand dollars, but maybe, you know, to me, it might as well be a lot of money if it's just a couple of thousand dollars. But what about a house? What about a relationship? Because see, decisions, when we talk about God's, the known will of God, it's his word. It's living out his word in such a way that every decision you make, major decision, please don't go to the restaurant today and pray over your sides. Waiter, I'll get right back to you. I, I just need a few minutes to pray over the broccoli or the, I'm not sure if I want broccoli or red. Whoever's with them, just slap them and order them broccoli, all right? One, two, three, one, two, three. Three. Go, okay, go for the fries. Now, what I am saying, the unseen will of God is this. Sometimes you're not going to see it till you step out in it. Sometimes that the will of God that we're hoping to see first is based on our faith and our trust in God's plan and what we do see now. I'm convinced that most of us in this room, it's not the, the word of God that we don't understand that we're afraid of. It's the word of God that we do understand and we're just not comfortable with it it's the word of God that just says seek ye first his kingdom it's the word of God that says love one another and you see the, the beautiful thing about this too and we're going to see this powerfully in the next few weeks the beautiful thing about this too is when I really start making decisions based on this then then not only am I taken care of but I'm more out of the picture than I ever thought and that causes me to care more about people now I am more forgiving. 
Now I am more loving. Now I, I do care about people more than if I just cared about myself. Make sense? The last one, very simple points, I know. But not only do I have to trust God's plan, trust his word, but I said this before, trust his answer. You see, when they, when they drew lots, Matthias was the chosen one. They trusted God. They didn't second-guess themselves. They, they didn't sit up all night going, mm. you know, let's just give justice one more shot. You know, Jesus never said there couldn't be 13. We do, we do need a backup just in case. No, they, they, knew, they knew the plan of God. It wasn't about them. And they moved forward. I just, I'm, I'm wondering what the church would begin to look like when it became less about us and more about his plan. Now, well, Pastor, what do you mean about settling for the answer? This could get a little tricky, but just take one second, two seconds, and look around you. Seriously, you're going to have to turn your heads to do this. Just look at the people around you for a second. Now, understanding that this is a local church, and I, I am a full believer, that's why I love flow. Flow stands for foundations, life in Christ, our gifts, and walking it out. Why? Because there's no sending it down in there. And because we are the body of Christ. It's not about these four walls. This is where we gather to hear the word and love on each other. But when we leave here, it's what do the body of Christ look like in action? And when, when we say things like understanding that this is God's answer, again, look around. Because for the local church at Grace River, you're looking at it, baby. This is the end. Get a second voter. Can we, do we have a couple of weeks to decide on this? Now, for all of our visitors, please, you're not stuck, but after two weeks, you're pretty stuck. Here's, here's my point. God is looking for people to put together for an eternal plan. <clears throat> have you noticed? Have you noticed that we have the proclivity to um, to want to find the people like us, even in church? You know, like our personality, and just listen to me. You know, our color, our personality, our likes, our dislikes. Because if we could hurry up and find them. We know who we're going to hang out with. That's never meant to be the body. That's never meant to be the body. The body's not about you find your sweet spot and you find your comfort zone and this chill. The body is meant for us to get along with each other. The body is meant. That's why sometimes when you're at work and you're praying for God to move that person, God is saying in the background, I've got you there for a purpose. Now, you may never change their life, but guess what they're doing? It's changing yours. They're the iron sharpening iron in your life. They're the ones working on your patience. They're, they're the ones that are trying to help you grow up a little bit because God's got plans for you in the bigger picture. I know I'm not making sense, maybe, but I am. You see, most of us, we understand that, that the pain and suffering is not easy, but it, we're growing. We understand that, we already understand that God's using some things in our lives, and we're looking for ways out rather than not just getting comfortable, but letting it happen. 
Why? Because that could be the answer. Now, why, why is that important? I promise I'm wrapping this up. How do you make that decision? Well, here, here's how I would wrap this up by saying, if you had to make a decision this week, number one, gather all the information you can. All right? Gather all the information you can. So if you're buying a house, gather all the information you can. If you're making new friends, gather all the information you can. Well, they'll think I'm a stalker. Better now than later. Right? Just get it out in the front now, right? Um, I'm thinking about, you know, asking her to marry me. Get all the information you can. Meet that mama. Meet the family because you're marrying them. Nobody tells you that. But you're marrying them too, I promise you, right? Hello? <laughs> why? I don't know why it got quiet. But <clears throat> um, if you're buying a car, get all the information. I don't care what your decisions are. Again, who, I'm not talking about broccoli and french fries. I'm talking about decisions that are going to impact your future. Um, who are you following? What kind of decision? Gather all the information you can, right? But then after you've got, got all that information, then you just need to sit down. And I know it's up on the screen. Seek God in prayer and fasting. Now, why is fasting even? Why did you have to put fasting up there? Because do you know that when you fast, how many have just missed one meal and people can tell by lunch? You know, that's how the Snicker commercials got started right? I mean, believe me, my wife and I, if you're not, I'm not trying to push any specific plan, but we've, we've been on a meal plan, and the goal is 30 days. I'm going for like two more days. We've been on it for one, right? Because what I've discovered is my wife is hard to live with when she doesn't have coffee and her food. And she only weighs 100 pounds. I don't even know why she's doing it. I found that I'm miserable. But here's, what, here's what's happening when you don't feed your body. You know what's happening? Your flesh is rising up. Your flesh is saying, I want what I want. So when you take all the information you've got together, and then you start putting that with prayer and fasting, and you're in God's word, and you're seeing what God is saying, and you're saying, God, it, does this line up with your word? Does this line up with a Christ-like life? Does this line up with what you're doing in the future? And you're saying no to the flesh. Your feelings are less involved in your decision. Hello? Because what will your feelings say about that eight-bedroom house? We'll have the biggest house in the neighborhood. There's only two of you. Um, your flesh needs to be dealt with. And I, I'm really pushing this issue, okay? Because then the last thing is, is real easy. Make your decision and don't look back. You know, ladies, what would you feel like if the minister said, I now pronounce to you, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. And after about three steps, he was like, I mean, is there still time for How would you feel about that relationship? You know, he, he would get slapped eight times trying to get down the aisle, right? Because you don't get married and start looking back. 
What happens if you drive out of the car dealership in your car and you're looking through the rearview mirror? You hit the car in front of you is what you do. Okay? Do you know how many people I know living in four or 5,000 square foot homes on acreage who are miserable? Because everything they're doing is trying to fulfill a feeling and they've got all the stuff. They're making more money than you can ever imagine. But they hate life and they hate themselves. Why? Because it's all about them. They don't have a relationship. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to preach down on anyone. But I'm just telling you, as we go through this word, as we go through God's word, I'm praying that it's speaking to all of us in very unique ways. But in the book of Acts specifically, it's how we should be acting. So how should we be acting? As spirit-filled believers, doesn't it make sense that we are first surrendered totally to his plan for our life? Doesn't it make sense that we would totally look to him for the answers? And he's given us more wisdom than we give ourselves credit for. But that's why it takes a little nudging from those closest around us. It might take a grace group or, or a word on Sunday or a devotion to just remind you, hey, come on. Don't let your feelings get the best of you. That person said something that upset me, and I'm going to be ticked off for days. Come on. Come on. Come on, John. You can let that control you, or you can make a decision. Remember that old song? Let's all stand. Emily, if you'll please come. We're not going to scare this. I don't want to scare Emily right now. But there, there's an old song, and we're going to pray in just a moment. It simply says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, one verse says, the world behind me, the cross before me. But the end of every one of those verses says this, no turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. My friends may not go. The family may not see it my way. Here's something tough. You ready? I, I talked to a lot of people about family issues. Um, family's always going to have issues. But when you give your life to Christ, you become a part of a new family. By the way, that will still have issues. But as we follow Christ, we're growing, right? And maturing. But now we're the body of Christ. But, but even if things don't go my way, still I will follow. No turning back. No looking back. You know, keeping my mind in the back, I'm moving forward. Why? Because as you'll see in the next few weeks, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, you, be, you need to be ready to move. Because God, this may scare some of you, God will start encouraging you to, to move into people's lives and directions, whether it's here locally in the church or in your community, in ways that you were like, well, wait a minute, Lord. Because just your simple obedience will make sense to a world that we make no sense to right now. So, so what's our decision? 
How will we make decisions? I pray that we make decisions based on our relationship with Christ. Maybe this morning for some of us it needs to be that decision to accept Christ, to follow Christ. Maybe you've made bad decisions. Listen, don't look back and beat yourself up. You're moving forward. Put it in His hands. I know this is a whole different sermon, but Pastor, I'm just so in debt right now. Put it in His hands and and work at it, and I promise you, there there are systems out there. We can get you out of this. I'm just telling you, decisions moving forward can look different. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. Lord, your word truly is a lamp unto our feet. It shines before us. And Lord, we confess this morning that there have been many times when we see the obvious way, but our flesh and our feelings pull us away. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. As you're telling us, we can be deciding, we can be making decisions that move us in directions, Lord, that glorify you, not just in the immediate, but for eternity. Lord, that lives can be changed, not just for a moment, but for eternity. Families can be changed, not just for a day, but for eternity. Communities, neighborhoods, Lord, cities, nations. Lord, we can't comprehend it, but even on the day of Pentecost, as just 120 moved into the community. God, I pray that we understand you still are at work, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't see it, and certainly when we don't feel it. God, would you prove yourself to us today? Lord, to those who are making decisions, Father, I pray that you just give them a sense of peace, as urgent as the decision may be, but help them understanding that that step of faith on what they do see will produce the unseen. Go with us, Father. I pray, Father, that you would just strengthen us this week, strengthen families, Lord, especially those going through transition, those, Father, who are taking care of of the sick, who are taking care of uh, the educational issues, Lord. We have many teachers. Father, I pray that you just bless and strengthen in the name of Jesus Christ. Show yourself mighty through your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, the strong Son of God. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Uh, Please go online, register for the grace groups. We look forward to seeing you next week. We love you. God bless you. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.